Those of you with a keen ear might have noticed the last couple Sundays, there's been a very subtle change to the opening collect, the opening prayer at Mass. And it's been the removal of the word one from the doxology, from the final portion of that prayer. Now the, the prayer will say, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever." And ever. I had one person during the week ask me, Father, what's, what's going on with that? So at least one person was able to pick up on it. Um, there's a couple of reasons for it. The first of which that word one is not in the Latin translation. But also there, there's a theological point that I think is being made that I think is very good that we can learn from and draw from today. Uh, that doxology, that final portion of the opening prayer is in reference to Jesus. And Jesus alone. Sure, it mentions the Father and the Holy Spirit. But primarily, that doxology is about the second person of the Trinity, namely Jesus. And we know that Jesus is not one God. That is the Trinity. The Trinity is one God. If we say that Jesus is one God, some people might think that he is one God of three, which we certainly do not believe. So again, it's it's an affirmation. That doxology is an affirmation that Jesus is God. That Jesus is God. Why would we need to affirm that when we pray? Well, certainly that, that truth that Jesus is God has been disputed many times over the course of the centuries. Many people believe, as I said earlier, that Jesus is somehow one God of three, that the Trinity is three gods. That's certainly not the case. There have been other heresies, most prominently the heresy of Arianism, that denied the divinity of Jesus. It said that Jesus was merely a creature, a good one, but was still a creature. That heresy is why we have the word consubstantial, in our creed, that Jesus is of the same substance as God the Father. And I think also even our world's approach to Jesus downplays his divinity, I think, a little bit too much. We see Jesus as a good person. We see Jesus as a guide, but most people don't go much beyond that. There's very little, we hear very little, rather, about how Jesus is co-eternal with the Father. How the second person of the Trinity helped create the world. We often only hear about Jesus' humanity as opposed to his divinity. Because if Jesus is only human, then it's much easier for us to ignore him and disregard his teachings. Because after all, he is only a human being, quote unquote. And if that is all that Jesus is, then I think we are falling vastly short. Because the divinity of Jesus, brothers and sisters, is what makes you and I Christians in the first place. To be a Christian is to believe that Jesus is God and that God became man. Jesus is fully man, but fully God as well. He is one person, two natures, divinity and humanity. Now, when Jesus was walking on this earth, We only saw his humanity. You didn't see his divinity, if he'd be walking in front of us. Jesus looked no different than any other man. 
He talked no differently than any other man. There was nothing about his outward appearance that told you immediately that this was God walking in front of you. Jesus' divinity was veiled while he was on this earth. And it was actually an act of humility by Jesus to veil his divinity so that we couldn't see it because it meant that he was more approachable to us in our humanity. He would be more accessible to us if he appeared and had the same look as any other human being. So we couldn't see his divinity if Jesus was here. We could only see his humanity. That is, except in the moment of the gospel today. At the transfiguration. This was the moment where Jesus lifted that veil a little bit to his chosen apostles, allowing them to see the tiniest glimpse of Jesus in his divinity, in his divine glory. And just think about that for a second. Even the tiniest glimpse, the smallest ray of Jesus' heavenly majesty was enough to blow their minds. It was something so majestic, almost something so insane, that they were rendered speechless, with the exception of Peter stammering out a few words about how they wanted to stay there for the rest of their lives. That is Jesus' divinity, made known in the tiniest way to his apostles. It was one of the most, the most majestic things they had ever seen. These apostles experienced what theologians call a theophany. It's an encounter with God. Theophany happened in the Old Testament primarily through events like the burning bush, but in the New Testament and especially in the gospel, a theophany takes on a whole new meaning because God himself is actually there right in front of them. The second person of the Trinity is present. This was the moment when Jesus wanted to make his divinity known, even if the fullness of that divinity wouldn't fully be seen by the apostles in that moment. If there was any doubt in Peter, James, and John's minds whether the man who was teaching them was the God of the universe, I dare say it was probably gone after the transfiguration. You know, consequently, brothers and sisters, you and I might not get to experience what James, Peter, and John experienced, seeing Jesus in his transfigured glory. But I think the lessons of these readings today give us so much. Because we mustn't forget that it was God himself who walked among us. God himself who ate and drank alongside his disciples. That it was God himself who befriended human beings just as we befriend people in our own parish. And that every gospel we hear, every time we are here at Mass, every gospel describes an event that the God of the universe did while here on this earth. I think we can also even take this further. Every Mass that we attend is a theophany, much like those apostles experienced at the Transfiguration. It's an encounter with God himself. It's not an encounter with a theoretical idea or an abstract concept, but it is an encounter with a person, again, with with God himself. And so our worship and our mindset, I think, should reflect this. 
when we gather here for Mass. Because yes, God became fully human, but he also transcended our humanity. And so our worship should mirror that transcendence. We aren't just here to get together to have community time. Certainly that happens. But all of that is secondary to worshiping God. That's the primary reason why we're here. That's what those apostles were doing on that mountain. They were in the presence of the one who created the heavens and the earth. And just so, brothers and sisters, we are able to be in his presence too and receive as food the one who rose from the dead. It's not about what we do when we gather here together. It's about what God does for us. That's certainly the takeaway the apostles had as they came down from that mountain. Because the object of our worship and our adoration isn't merely a human being. It is God. So our worship should elevate our senses and our minds toward him, rather than keeping us merely thinking about ourselves. So may this gospel help reaffirm our belief in the divinity of Christ, and see in Jesus not just someone like ourselves, but to see God himself. And even if that divinity is veiled, May we have the faith to see and believe that Jesus is Lord and that the God of the universe desires to make himself known to us.